Hans, 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 Hi, Coffee Dawns. Welcome back to another episode of Confidently Insecure, the podcast we are absolutely sure we don't know everything. Uh, this episode is so right on track with being confidently insecure because there are two subjects. This is so fun. I, If you listened last week, I made a promise to myself that I was going to finish this week's podcast early because of all the quarantine drama and anxiety. And guess what, bitches? We did that. All thanks to to you guys. This is such a fun episode because two confidants reached out to me via email at confidentlyinsecurepodcast at gmail.com about their knowledge, expertise, and activism in two subjects that I definitely feel confidently insecure about. The first is a lovely, 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 wonderful uh, boy by the name of Jacob. He is a 16-year-old activist who, uh, I don't want to spoil it, he'll introduce himself, but uh, that conversation was so insightful, so fucking cool. This 16-year-old is a bad ass. And then we will switch over to the conversation with Catherine, who, again, surprise, surprise, the way we got connected is so cool. And she is here to talk all about Autism Awareness Month. And I know that this podcast usually is talking about sex and buttholes, but that's why I like us because Confidence, we have motherfucking range. And so I wanted to make these two conversations, Jacob's, which is about LGBTQIA issues, and Catherine, which she's talking about autism, a more fun and relatable conversation. And so I just really, I love that this is a podcast driven by you guys. I mean, I'm just so proud of the community we've built and I'm really looking for ways that we can connect with each other more because I get so many amazing messages and I wish you guys all knew each other better. So like, I'm trying to think of a way, I wish we just had like a big giant group chat of all of us on there. (laughs) Um, I also don't want to plug, but just let you know, that our merch store on Teespring, uh, which is linked in the description below, is open. And we've got all sorts of discounts and giveaways running on our Instagram at ConfidentlyPod. And I just designed a new piece of merch and sticker there that I fucking love that uh, says, Sober Girls, Do It Sober. And I don't know, my thinking behind that was just like, I spent so much time in my like high school teenage years trying to identify as like a wild badass like alcoholic when I was like 15 right I would wear like the Tennessee Jack whiskey shirt to high school just to like prove I fucking partied (laughs) which is like I look back on it now and I'm like oh you sweet thing and now that I'm almost a year sober holy fucking shit I just was thinking about like how can I make like being sober cool and like something I'm proud to identify with and something about my personality that like I don't want to hide like kind of the same way that I made the anxiety queen merch which so many people fucking came from me being like oh my god you're um capitalizing on mental health I'm like no I'm not I'm trying to start a conversation and so like with sober girls do it sober I just think it's really funny a and b just like a way 
to be proud of who I am. And so that merch is up there now. You guys can find all of that uh, in the description below. There's also some cute uh, Confidently Insecure merch. There's a coffee mug that I love that says drink coffee and don't be a cunt. Uh, a reasonable tote, an organic tote bag of the conscious collection that says don't be a dick to the environment. It's just, I really, I'm enjoying designing and I love your guys' feedback. If you have design ideas or quotes from episodes we've done, shoot them my way. Uh, we're working on getting the Confidant stickers up there um, and these amazing Confidently Into Care Hollow stickers that you guys eat up so quickly. Uh, I'm finding a way to get that all on Teespring because right now I'm just doing it via the Confidently Into Care podcast. Okay, enjoy this episode. I love you guys so much. I hope you're staying safe and staying in indoors if you can. And if you can't, thank you for being brave and being out in the world, uh, being essential. All right, guys, enjoy. Oh my God, before we go to the show, I just checked my calendar at what date this episode is coming out on. And bitch, it's April 13th. My big sister Megan's birthday. Oh my God. And I can't even imagine what it's like. I mean, I know we're not supposed to be selfish during this time, but it's hard not to be sometimes. I can't imagine what it's like having a birthday during the quarantine. So if everyone real quick, because she listens to these, can we please around the world together right now sing happy birthday to my sister Megan. Okay, ready? Come on. It, just be silly. It doesn't matter where you are. Just sing with me. Okay, ready? And even if you want to record yourself on Instagram and send it to me and I'll forward it to her, that would be so amazing. Or you can tag her in it. Her Instagram is at Meegveeg, like M-E-E-G-V-E-E-G. -E 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 I hope that's right. If it's not, her background is green and she's got red hair. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Megan. Happy birthday to you. I love you, Watt. You're my hero. I, you're my best friend. I hope you have an incredible day. And I'll see you on our Zoom meeting later tonight. Okay, now to the show. Confidants, this is a very special segment. Since we are in the quarantine, we're mixing up the episodes. We're inviting guests. We're talking to confidants themselves. And I would love to introduce you to someone who I think he is making waves in a way that caught my attention. This is Jacob, everybody. I want to introduce you to my friend. He slid into the podcast email saying, hi, I would like to talk to you about activism and I don't want to give it away, but Jacob, your email was so impressive. You're a junior in high school Correct. and the message you wrote me had a link to this article about you speaking, uh, doing public speaking in front of your legislation in Florida. And so mm -hmm. I, I don't want to reveal too much, but I will let you take it away. What exactly are you advocating for? Um, so basically, there's no protections for like workplace or renting or anything nationally. So each state has to come up with legislation. Mm -hmm. And then in Florida, there's no legislation at the state level because the state legislature is like not picking up the bill. Like we have our own version of a Mitch McConnell. Mm. And so um, the county level, there's no protections. And, and so what are we I talking about protections for? Um, like not getting fired if they find out you're transgender or gay mm. and um, like not being evicted, mm. just like basic things. And they, they're just not there. And so I went to the county and I went advocating for it because people don't realize, but it 
actually happens very often and it's、mm. not reported because there's nothing to report because it's not against any law. Wow. And is Florida unique in that sense? Like, is this a Florida specific problem? Or would you say, like, protecting LGBT plus、uh, people are not protected and we're not thinking about that everywhere?、Um, yeah. So, this is a nationwide problem. Like, some states, like California and New York, have protections, but there are a lot of more conservative states where they don't have protections, and those, especially other states where those protections really are needed. And so it creates like、yeah. a, a vacuum of protection.、Mm. And so, how do you yourself identify?、Uh, I'm gay. And uh, hi. Um, <laughs> tell me about how you got involved in this because you're also a leader at your school, right?、Uh, right. So, I got involved in this by just,、um, well, first finding out that it's possible to create change locally.、Mm-hmm. I was watching. This movie called Milk on Netflix, and it's about the life of Harvey Milk.、Mm-hmm. And they played、um, some segments about counties passing laws. And I, I hadn't really thought about the county aspect, the fact that counties can pass ordinances and laws protecting people.、Mm. And once I found that out, I was like, we need this in our county because I live in a very conservative county.、Mm. And so,、um, in fifth period, which is a class where it's like really up to you for what you do in that period, I just started calling people in the county. And pestering them and figuring out, like, what are we gonna do? How am I gonna do this? Like, what is possible? And how old are you? 16. And when and you started doing it this year or? or?、Um, I started doing it this year. So you're 16, straight up picking up your phone in the middle of fifth period, calling the fucking government. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tell me, so tell me, like, what inspired this for you? Because I feel like. At your age, I mean, at least in my case, I was a very selfish person. I was trying to think、mm-hmm. of like, what is my identity? How do I become comfortable in it? Who can I have sex with? Am I going to be on time for soccer practice? Is weed bad for my brain? Like, I was not、right. caring about other people. So, like,、mm-hmm. how did you get involved in this, this subject of protections in, in the workplace for LGBT plus people?、Um, I think it's just reading stories of it happening to people. And knowing that it does happen, it's really easy to put your head in the sand, especially in high school, and especially for a lot of queer people in high school. But I just, I, I don't know, it's almost like it's not an option for me. Like, if I see that happening,、I'm, I don't want it to continue happening. Wow. Okay. So tell me exactly that you mentioned some, some things that have happened have been like people get fired from their jobs or maybe、right. they get denied housing. What other、uh, injustices have you heard of that you know, gave you passion and fire for this subject? I think also a large contributor is going to a really conservative school,、mm-hmm. maybe where people they're outwardly nice to you, but then their inner beliefs are that your creation is a mistake, your creation is a sin, your creation is this, that. And it's like there is a youth group in my school, which I think a quarter of the students go to. They rent out space from the high school and it's associated with a church that's like literally three quarters of a mile from my house. And at this point, it's a mega church.、Oh. And that church, I did an investigative article. They do conversion therapy. No. They, yes, they do. And they、It's, believe in that being gay is a sin and there's no protection. So there's, that's still legal in Florida? That's legal. Yeah. So if there's no protection statewide, again, there's no protection <gasps> at all. I don't know if maybe I'm just living in like my liberal California bubble, but I maybe am a bit ignorant to this, not knowing that conversion therapy 
was still legal. That seems so archaic. Can you um, that, tell the, right. yeah, can that, you tell the audience a little bit, maybe if someone doesn't know what conversion therapy is? So conversion therapy is basically the practice of like someone trying to mitigate sexual attraction to the same sex or completely reverse it, which clearly is not possible. And the problem comes not like if you're 18 or older, because clearly that's you're seeking that out. It's like if you're a minor. And so uh, a lot of states don't have protections for that. So there are literally like people in your town that are going to this group that is a church that still does this conversion therapy. And is it like outwardly um, marketed? Like, are they, is it like kind of a hush hush thing that they do that? It's, it's, I would describe it as underground. I emailed um, a pastor there because I was like doing an investigative Yeah, tell me more report. about that article. Expose them. Tell me the tea, <laughs> Jacob. <laughs> so uh, I emailed them because I was, well, I, I myself was ignorant. And I was like, there's no way, but I'll just email just in case there's a story. Mm-hmm. And they got back to me. Some churches were like, no, we don't do that. Other churches, they didn't want to admit it in an email. But this church, they literally were like, we have someone who specializes in that. And they use that wording. And so then I started emailing him and I went to one meeting with him. (gasps) And he described to me that like the nationwide, not even like countywide, statewide, nationwide, there is a, he called it um, a booming industry of conversion therapy. And so after a week, I got his contact and I ended up getting the contact of like seven therapists. There was a therapist in Orlando where it's literally supposedly banned. Um, So it's crazy. And I don't think a lot of people realize that like the churches they might be going to are doing that. And I, I, that's a good point because I think I grew up in a mega church in the South, Mm -hmm. a Southern Baptist. Uh, Jacob and I live, they about our towns are about three hours apart from each other, as you mentioned. And it wasn't like, no one would say it to your face, but there were clearly no out members of the congregation. And like, you know, if anyone had a kid who was like obviously queer, they, it was not ever discussed. They weren't allowed Mm -hmm. to say it. Like it was very hush hush. I mean, even like people of color were very rarely seen in our congregation. And we are a fucking mega church, like thousands of people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, went back, I hate to say like back in my day, because it wasn't that long ago, it was not something you thought about because the reason I bring this up is that I think a lot of people who are in these deep religious uh, communities say it's not all of us. Like it's not, we're not all bad. Like I don't Mm -hmm. believe in this, but as you mentioned, like some people might not even know that it's going on next door or in their town. And so, I mean, the fact that you straight up, fucking serial investigated this shit yourself (laughs) as a 16 year old is pretty amazing because I don't think people know that they have the power to do that to just straight up cold email a church and say Mm -hmm. I mean were you acting as if did you tell them you were doing an article or did you no I told them I I acted as if I was like a 16 year old that like was confused and like didn't know and so I was like, I don't know if they're evil enough to take advantage of like this character I'm portraying that's like this clearly vulnerable child. And they were, they brought me in and they're like, through pastoral counseling, you can diminish, get rid of your urges. Um, Tell me about these people. What kind of people are they that you're working with? I'm assuming straight, white, older men. Right. Straight, white, older men. Part of the Catholic church. Oh, so is Catholicism interesting. Mm-hmm. So when you are playing this character, are you like wearing a wire? 
Uh, no, that's that's technically illegal. In yeah, Florida. I know, but you see it in the movies where they like pat them down, right? But it doesn't seem like they're very ashamed to 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 speak to people. No, I don't think. I think they're so enveloped in the idea that they're the ones fighting for justice. They don't even think to realize that someone might be uncovering them because they really are the bad guys. They really think what they're doing is right. Mm-hmm. So you go in, you're playing this character. What was the meeting like? Is a lot of like scripture reading versus like, is it all God shame based type conversation? It was a lot of initial um, heartfelt messaging to be like, eventually he got into it and he was like, God created sex. Basically, there's pleasure, but it's for creating a baby, period. Which, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and no so pun he's, intended. <laughs> yeah. And so um, he's like, um, so you have a role to be abstinent your entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, by 16, I can't even, I, I wouldn't even want to admit my body count. <laughs> so tell right. me, so tell me then about like your peers, right? Like you go to a school, you mentioned it's pretty conservative. Mm-hmm. You obviously live in a conservative town. You're making waves. You are starting a revolution. How is your, are your peers reacting? How's your family reacting? Are you feeling safe? Um, right. So I think a lot of people in my school don't really know about the things I'm doing. Um, but like for the people who do, again, it's like that outward kindness and mm-hmm. inner your life is a mistake. It's the <laughs> bless so, your heart yeah. attitude. Mm-hmm. And I think um, what I've noticed the trend is, is like when I was littler, you would like watch these churches that believe that and they'd be open about it. Mm-hmm. And the churches now are like recognizing that that's not the way to continue. And so you see them like becoming Instagram famous and like super modern and like they're super shareable and it's young pastors. Mm-hmm. And it's like I see it getting shared all the time in these trendy Bible quotes and youth camps and all that. But then you dig a little deeper and it's still that we believe Bible is like word for word, the word of God. And it's tough so. because I know firsthand that I consumed that information because that was just what we did every Sunday like my parents you know my mom's a pastor's kid and my dad got sober and so you know his belief in God became really strong and so that was just what we did and in the same way I think that politics are passed down to kids that a lot of these young people like your age don't know how to break off Mm-hmm. into different thinking than their parents like how did how did you end up so bold and and progressive well a large part is because i i mean i didn't grow up in like a super religious or christian family mm. i grew up like so i'm jewish and a lot of the a lot of jewish Muscle. people <laughs> and so a lot of a lot of jewish people they're really not even religious they just do it for right. cultural reasons isn't it changing too where they're saying like it should be listed as an ethnicity or something it it technically is an ethnicity. Right. Like, yeah. So yeah. uh it's not just a religion, like there's like culture and like history behind it. Mm-hmm. And so they're not like you're gonna burn in hell or whatever because mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't even there for that. Like they believe in God, but they they're like not there because they believe word for word the Torah or whatever. They're just sure. there to keep that culture alive. Totally. So so you got to see the world from a totally different perspective. Right. So that's amazing. So let's shift then a little bit to policy and legislation because politics don't do well on this 
podcast because I think everyone mm-hmm. gets stressed the fuck out about it. Yeah. No one wants to talk about it in the climate we're living in. The idea of doing what you did, going to a, what, courthouse down to the <laughs> place of adultness and, and speaking on a topic so passionately. Tell me how you geared up for that. Tell me how you even planned for it. How did you like plan out your mission? Um, so the people at the, um, government building, they ended up like, just like ghosting me, I guess you could call it. They were like, uh, I don't know how to put a new ordinance on the docket, which like for some people, that's their job. So it was kind of funny that they didn't know how to do that. And what is your, what is your like ordinance? What, what exactly were you going there to implement? Um, a human rights ordinance. So like basically three things, which would be banning discrimination for renting, for jobs and banning conversion therapy. Wow. So just like the fucking package deal, baby. Mm-hmm. You're going there being like, this should be just a basic human right. That's insane right. that it's not. I don't think people mm-hmm. know that it's not. And so you're yeah. just, you're there going, hi, my name is Jacob. I would like to put in a piece of paper that says these three things. And then what? Um, right. So I organized a, a group of people to come and they each deliver different speeches. And then they ordered... Um, a they ordered the attorney to do a report on what is possible for the county to do and i'm still waiting on that report holy shit you're dealing with like adult ass stuff Mm -hmm. and you're just like taking it in stride you don't give a shit you're just like doing what's right right i do not think i even had the mental and emotional capabilities not to keep bringing up your age because whatever i felt very grown at 16 but like i just don't think I could do what you did. I mean, I'm going to play a clip of the video. Maybe I'll put it in right here. Liberation is a noun defined as the act of setting someone free from oppression. However, more than that, liberation is a verb. Liberation is an action taken by a group or entity with the effect of release. I'm here today to not only ask for this release, but to beg for it. Begging for you to liberate me in the workplace. Because when the way I exist, the way I was born, the way I love, the way I speak, the way I walk, the way I was created, when the way I am is grounds for my extermination, I am not released, I am not free. When I have a 17% chance of being fired, a 28% chance of receiving a bad job evaluation, a 41% chance of verbal or physical harassment because of who I am. I am far from released. I am far from free. Because when 90% of my transgender brothers and sisters have encountered some form of harassment or mistreatment on the job, they are not released. They are not free. Because we as queer people in this county exist as puppets lacking free will and a sense of omnipresent agency. We exist as defenseless prey in a jungle of hatred. We exist naked without the protection of litigation hung just barely out of reach by those who are afraid of acceptance. I am begging for you to live Liberate those in conversion therapy. Liberate those in the underground system of hatred, perpetually telling them their worth is non-existent. You are fucking going off, sis, in this, what, speech to Congress, speech to government? Like, tell tell the viewers a little bit about what that speech was. It was a speech to um, the county. um, So we have a county, it's like the county legislator, and there's like seven people on it, I think. And so it was a speech to them to have them consider the ordinance because if one of them wasn't like, cause you need either to get a crap ton of signatures to get an ordinance or you need to have one of them sponsor it. So the goal is just to have one of them sponsor it. Ah, and are they cool? Are they chill? Are, are they the homies or do we really need help? Um, it's hard to tell, honestly. Mm. Um, it really is. I think a lot of them after, especially I did what I did, they're very, um, 
compelled to act because it's different like when they see adults they can disregard them they're like it doesn't matter but when they see like kids who go to the high school down the street I think they're a lot more emotional yeah because you can use personal experience and mm -hmm. and I think that those those members of government will feel like there is change being made when it's done through the youth because I mean you look at activists like Greta and and you know the 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 um uh, Parkland kids I mean do you feel like that's sort of your path is is to to be like one of these advocates for for your generation um I feel like I don't know what my path is but it's just whenever I see injustice mm. I, I just want it that's my goal is to end it so what's your start you, no matter what job I'm doing that's still gonna be like my hobby what's your what's your zodiac sign Sagittarius. Oh, I would assume Libra. Um, that's amazing. Okay, so you give this speech. You say now you're waiting for a, an attorney to look into what you presented. And then what if the attorney's like, oh, yeah, some shit's fucked up here. People are getting discriminated against, which we hope is the outcome. Then what? Then I'm going to email every um, person on the legislature and ask them to sponsor the ordinance and just not stop annoying them until they do it <laughs> that seems to be the theme here that i've heard for many um like down ballot issues which mm -hmm. uh you know i say that because that's something i learned when i did an episode of buzzfeed about getting into politics is that when we think of voting and, and government we think of like presidential election but really where you can make a change is on the down ballot which is more local and um community and county driven laws so like getting to know your mayor and getting to know your your county legislators and and the advocates that you can actually like meet with at like the local coffee shop and and that's really where change starts is at like kind of a local level is mm -hmm. i feel like also a big part of your message right that like anyone can do what i did really yeah so what's the dream right like what's the dream for you in this in this scenario the dream for me is um like achieving what I consider political liberation for Ooh, queer girl. people. Say it yeah. again. So uh, I think a lot of people are focused on like social issues, especially like editors at like progressive magazines, maybe because they, they might not like realize the extent to which political liberation isn't achieved. Mm. And I think before you even begin to consider social issues, you have to achieve that political liberation. So to sure. me, that looks like um, extending the Civil Rights Act to queer people. And then once that occurs, I think we're forcing people to accept our existence instead that's, of just like tolerating it. That's amazing. And that's such a good point that you bring up that we we kind of have to start at like the base level of human rights before, you know, we focus on all this other stuff, which is still amazing. But mm -hmm. the fact that this is so overlooked and unknown, I think, you know, having you on the podcast, that's what I wanted to hear is I want everyone, all the confidants to hear that this is happening. Now we do have a lot of international listeners like in the UK and Canada. Um, I don't know shit about any of those governments. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know much. I know that they, they definitely do have more protections generally. Mm, okay. They, so like, they still have discrimination. Yeah. yeah, of course. Right. Like everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we talk about the dream scenario. What about, on like a more personal level, do you want our listeners to know on how to even give a shit and get started on something like this in their community? 
Um, it's basic. It basically just starts out with like finding what what what's within your state, what's within your county, like what protections are there, and like seeing a cause that like really resonates with you, and then not viewing it as some like obscure object that can't be obtained. Like you can definitely call if you don't know what to do, just call the government, email them, ask what what am I supposed to do, and just like keep pestering them. Like right. That's great. Yeah, like right now, as I'm waiting for the county thing, uh, I'm like lobbying my senator and like my state senator. So her name is Debbie Mayfield and she's a senator and she goes to the state. We like her, right? Isn't she lesbian? No, she's not a lesbian. She's pretty she's pretty conservative, but she like she is she's pretty she's a nice person. And so I'm like asking I'm lobbying for her to um, introduce legislation banning the gay, the LGBT panic plea. What Which the fuck is, is a panic plea? That sounds that, like some something I should be aware of. <laughs> it's yeah, so it's basically uh it's like it's not used like often per se, but it's used like every other year or something. And it's this plea that's like if you are like so if like there is a heterosexual man and a gay man and the he- and the gay man is hitting on the heterosexual man and the heterosexual man like kills the gay man. He's basically like, I panicked and I had a momentary lapse right. of, ins- and of sanity. Straight men and, use that all the time for transgender people. Yeah, and it really does mostly impact transgender people, trans women, trans women of color. Right. And so um, it's like, they'll be like, I was in bed with her and I didn't realize that they like had a certain part of right. themselves. Right. And because of that, I like killed them. And, then and the they get off. Be- yeah, they have, like, re- diminished sentences, or they might just get off. What the fuck? Yeah, it's crazy. And that's called panic what? Yeah, it's crazy now. It's called panic, uh, what did you say it was called? Panic defense? Uh, it's the LGBT panic plea. And so that is still carried out in Florida, is what you're saying, and you're trying to get that to be over. Right. And I'm assuming that's probably a nationwide problem, too, in some of the more conservative states. Actually, I think it's only it's only banned in like twelve states. <gasps> yeah, confidants. We have some motherfucking work to do. And like, I was kind of in my head laughing when you said in your last answer about like call the government. I'm like, what's their number? Like, it, is their... all of this stuff just you googling it? Like, are you literally just googling like yeah, your you counties? Just Google it. And mm-hmm. so it's like we have no excuse. We all have the internet. We all have a little bit of time right now. I think if anything, like now actually is a good time to call because people well i actually would it not be a good time to call because people aren't at work well they're working from home so it's a good time to call okay so leave Mm -hmm. voicemails start tweeting and i think even just being aware of it in your county because it would blow my fucking mind if i felt like i had like my queer folk and then to find out that we're not protected in my own fucking county Mm -hmm. i think I feel like some confidants are going to have that revelation. And I hope that, you know, by talking to you and you spreading this amazing information that we all just become a little bit aware because that feels so archaic and ass backwards that we're even having to have this conversation. Right. Like there was a, there was a dance teacher in my County. Her name is Monica Lachandrio. And she basically worked at this Catholic, well, I don't know if it was Catholic, but a Christian private school. And they found her um, in a photo of the pride parade of our pride parade. 
And they brought her in and they were like, are you gay? And she was like, yeah. And they were like, you need to stop doing that. <laughs> like, stop being gay. Stop. And she was like, that's not how it works. And so they were like, okay, you need to leave. But <gasps> then b- before she left, they were like, no, wait, we don't have a substitute. Can you like finish teaching for the day? Oh my God. Yeah. And they so- get like, no, and they get a million. The school that did that gets a million dollars a year in funding. <sighs> From the taxpayers. I feel like I remember hearing about this or like a situation similar to this. Mm-hmm. But is it is it not like someone tweets about that injustice and like a million people call that school and they get their funding pulled? Like, is it still such a strong conservative background and like community that they are still able to uphold themselves? Um, yeah, they do still uphold themselves. They have five stars on Google Stop. and everything. Mm hmm. There's there's a lot of schools that are like private Christian discriminate against gay like faculty and students and they get public funding still because the like laws that have been introduced just get killed. And I think that people don't realize in those small private religious schools how many closeted people there are Mm -hmm. and that they are just going to closet themselves until freedom you know like i i think a lot of places like that think that they're like solving a problem i'm making air quotes but the same way it's like we've always existed since the beginning of time it's just more visible Mm -hmm. now like i don't know what they're like i don't get why they're wasting their fucking energy and time on something that is not yeah it's just frustrating my my it brain is, re- is a little it is on so, fire it is really frustrating yeah and so what do you want to like be what do you want to do for college what do you want to I mean I don't believe in college so if you say you don't want to go I totally support <laughs> that but like what do you want to do what's your future like uh I don't know I, I want to be a professor to write papers stuff like that oh shit you like smart smart I should send you some <laughs> of my like articles and shit so you can copyright that or something <laughs> that's amazing so okay when will we hear do you know can we get like an update from you from time to time Mm. so um basically everything will just i just have to wait until the report is finished because then once the report is finished then i can contact them without them being like well we don't know what we can do yet and so let's say the report comes back and the attorney's like nope everything's gucci what do you do um well, I, that's just not going to happen because yeah. then, yeah, because n- not everything's Gucci. So <laughs> I'm so <laughs> sorry Gucci. I said that. How gross. I am from Florida at the end of the day. Sometimes yeah. it just slips out. Um, Jacob, this has been so fucking cool talking to you. I think you're so baller that you reached out and just like had such a passion and purpose. And uh, I would love to still get updates from you. And mm-hmm. um, if there's anything else you want to tell the confidants, plug anything, uh you know link your insta in case people have questions or whatever like how can people reach out to you or you know what's your what's your message um my instagram at is just jacob gelman so it's just my name um and then i'll just post i post updates there and everything great i think you're gonna spark a lot of inquiry just based off this short interview we did so i want to say thank you so much and you're awesome and i hope we stay connected and stay friends and homies and and what you're doing is very cool (laughs) thank you yeah of course we'll stay friends good okay (laughs) thanks jacob thank you
lunch, I've got another really cool, fun, educational, educational. <laughs> I've had two coffees in an Adderall. I love um, it. <laughs> an educational <laughs> segment. I think this is so fun. Okay. So remember last week when we did the little giveaway surprise, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we called up Catherine and I actually caught you not on video, right? Where were you yeah. when I called you? I, I had just finished watching Frozen in my living room. So I was like half asleep on my couch. And so I had no idea what Were it you was. just so confused? Like, why I was is like this? so dazed. I also, I was a little hungover. It happens. Um, so we're just quarantined. not in like the best mental state, but it I was great. You. you know, I have an entire part of my book is about hangover anxiety because that was my biggest problem about drinking. Yeah. I mean, I've been sober almost a year now, which is crazy. Whatever. Congrats. Okay, that's not what this is about. Thanks. <laughs> Catherine, our confidant. So after I reached out to you about the giveaway, you wrote back to me and you told me a little bit about what you do and that it is actually Autism Awareness Month, it which is. is something that I'm not going to lie, like before we start the official interview, I know nothing about there is a little bit of, uh, I did a little bit of research for a character that I wrote in a script, but I was very cautious about it. And maybe we can talk a little bit about that later too, about yeah. like how the media portrays people with autism. But I just want to say beforehand, if I fuck up, I'm going to try my best to not sound like a dumb, ignorant asshole with autism, but I'm so excited you're here. You've got all the answers. <laughs> I don't um, know about that. You've got, you've got some stuff to say about it, which I'm really excited about. So tell me a little bit about what you do. Yeah. So I am a clinician and diagnostician at an agency that works with individuals with neurodevelopmental disorders, autism Bitch, being one of them. That yeah. is a fucking job. Yeah. I How, feel very like official saying it. But. You are official as fuck. How did Thank you yeah. get into that work? So I like very long, like roundabout way. I originally went to school to be a teacher and then decided I was like, Maybe this is like, I like working with kids, but maybe this isn't exactly what I wanted to do. Panicked, ran away to Disney World, worked there for a little bit. And then I came Where back. Where else do you go when you panic? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> um, and then I got my master's in social work. And while I was doing that, I nannied for a family that has five kids. Two of them are on the autism spectrum. And then wow. after I graduated, there was an agency um, like right near me that specializes in working with kids on the spectrum as well as a lot of different other things. So I interviewed okay. there and the rest Holy is shit. history. So many questions. Yeah. First of all, social, a master's in social work. Yes. What does that entail? I dropped out of few <laughs> colleges. So like you really have to educate me on that. <laughs> yeah, no. So social work is very broad and all encompassing. There's like a lot of different branches of it. So there's like macro social work, which is more focused on like public policy. And then there's more micro level social work. Um, so like kind of the part that I wanted to get into was more the micro level, like clinical social work, basically therapy. I'm a, I'm a, a I was going to say, it sounds yeah. like you're a therapist. And <laughs> yeah. um, my second question, I just have to get out of the way is what did you do at Disney? I was a lifeguard at the Otten Beach Club. Shut up. Okay. Yeah. Moving on past your Disney <laughs> life. Um, so you, another thing you said that I realized is you said you worked with a family who had two children on the spectrum. And yes. I already think I fucked up by saying, someone with autism like is that what is the proper language so, it's changing no, 
That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. There is not like one politically correct term because it's like with anything else, people like to self-identify mm -hmm. with different things, right? Mm -hmm. So somebody might like to self-identify as autistic, whereas somebody else might be offended by the word autistic, right? right? Like, so I live with autism or... Right. So a lot of times like we use autism spectrum disorder, which is just kind of like the umbrella diagnosis. Mm -hmm. um, but then like like the word suggests, right? Autism spectrum disorder. It is such a broad spectrum and we right. can talk about that. A and little I bit think too. like disorder, the word adding disorder yeah. too, like um, when I was at BuzzFeed in 2015, I had been misdiagnosed bipolar. And mm -hmm. when I was diagnosed with it, I held on to that identity like so hard and bipolar disorder like I, I that's why I, I'm kind of like torn about diagnoses in general because right. I made a video where um it was like a BuzzFeed trend at the time where where you go on camera and you say I'm this but I'm not this like basically to dispel stigma and rumor and stuff so I would say like I'm bipolar but I'm not crazy or like I'm bipolar yeah. but I don't have like two personalities and a lot of feedback it was like half and half of people like saying I don't think saying I'm bipolar is the right way as much as I have bipolar disorder because right. then it becomes like your whole identity. And so I could see why people like when you say like they're autistic, it's um, it immediately you go into a category of something and like right. you called it a spectrum. And like we look at something like the bisexuality spectrum and it's kind of like, oh, everyone's on it. Right. Like everyone's somewhere on yeah. it. And then to add the word disorder makes it seem like a handicap right and so like where are we in the world right now with treating autism as a disorder or a um I, I don't know if handicap is the right word but um yeah maybe it's uh, like ability versus disability right so disability was what I was thinking I mean I still personally feel like the world has a long way to go as far as like the language that we use but as of right now in the DSM, um, it is Which autism is... spectrum disorder. <laughs> the, it's basically a big book that lists like all diagnoses like Copy that. ever okay. created. So yeah. it's still set, it's still listed as autis autism, autism spectrum, spectrum disorder. Okay. And yeah. people, is the word um, Asperger's no longer used? Good question. Correct. <laughs> so Asperger's previously referred to as Asperger's as well as like a couple other different diagnoses. I think it was like Asperger's, um, autistic disorder, childhood mm -hmm. disintegrative disorder, pervasive developmental disorder oh. are all now like umbrella termed under autism spectrum disorder. Which is kind of great, right? Yeah. I think it's much better that it's like, you know, we don't have that for a lot of uh, mental health uh, ability or disability, I guess. Yeah. So then I think something that is really interesting that my boss says a lot is like your brains don't develop based on the DSM, right? Like people's brains are all like all over the place. And so the DSM is developed to kind of describe the way that your brain mm. functions and the way that everybody's brain is functioned just based on like the research that's been conducted up to this point. But it's also constantly changing and developing right. and that's why we see like things that were previously referred to as one thing are now referred to as another thing and like categories are changing all the time so right and it's right really now just, that's the language we're using but right and it's it's more about like being on board with the understanding of like being informed I think and like right. that is definitely 
something that like caught my eye about your email when I was like, man, I think I've been afraid to talk about it because I am such a big mental health advocate. And like, when I think of autism, I think of anti-vaxxers, uh, (laughs) the show that's on Netflix and atypical and, um, uh, you know what people refer to as high functioning which I know is now also being kind of like broken so do you maybe want to tell the audience about like what that means yeah so like high functioning is a term that people previously used to describe like somebody with Asperger's right Mm. um so I mean that kind of like jumps into the conversation about like autism spectrum disorder and just like I guess I can talk a little bit about kind of like what that means like what that diagnosis entails so it's characterized by certain criteria right but again people can fall from like one complete end of the spectrum to the other complete end of the spectrum so this is I think where a lot of the confusion comes in around Mm -hmm. just the term like autism and high functioning and the different levels and what it all means so Mm -hmm. like from a diagnostic standpoint we're looking at like two major categories so there's deficits in social interaction and communication Mm -hmm. is the one and then the other kind of like characteristic is the presence of what we call restricted repetitive behaviors we Um, are going to have to break that yeah very much down so say the first one again the first like bucket is social social interaction and communication and so that means like the way we interact with the world the way we interact with other people right and that has like a bunch of different things too right so it's like social reciprocity so like back and forth conversation um just like verbal versus nonverbal communication Mm -hmm. skills eye contact gestures body Mm -hmm. language stuff like that Mm -hmm. um sometimes difficulty with like perspective taking or seeing where another Mm -hmm. person's coming from but it's all like again there's so many different things that yeah (laughs) it almost seems like just like personality like what then makes it okay go to the other bucket I'm skipping myself (laughs) what's the other bucket restricted repetitive patterns of behavior interests or activities (laughs) so okay um repeated like motor movements so a lot of times you'll see like young kids who are like rocking or hand flapping if they get excited um maybe like ritualistic behavior insistence on sameness inflexible adherence to routines which is like very prevalent right now with what we're going through because all of our routines have been yeah holy fuck changed um sometimes like either like overreactivity or underreactivity mm. to sensory input mm-hmm. or like unusual interests in sensory aspects mm-hmm. of the environment, um, different like circumscribed interests. So somebody will be like very interested in one specific right. topic and they'll know mm. all of the facts about right, that one right. thing. Um, but those are like some of the things that fall into that umbrella. Okay. So talking about, did you, what was the word you called yourself a diagnostician? Is that, yes. did I just make that up? Okay. Wow. No, really that's good. right. You got it. Thank you so much. Like I said, two cups of coffee. <laughs> um, that feels like in my mind and I don't want to project, but that feels like a big responsibility. <laughs> it is. And so I'm going to be completely honest. This is like a very new mm. role for me. So when I started at the agency, 
Um, I just started out in like that clinician therapist role. So Mm -hmm. I started doing like individual therapy, group therapy, parent education and skill building. And then after I'd been there for a little while, I moved into more of the diagnostic role. So I've been doing some more evaluations Mm. um, and assessments and stuff like that. And how does that weigh on you emotionally? Like you obviously have a master's in what you're doing, but like I couldn't fucking do that. No fucking way. Well, it's a lot of specialized training. So like I didn't graduate from my master's program with any specialization in autism whatsoever. Mm. It's really come from like my agency and my job. And they've been really, really awesome about Mm. providing a lot of training um, because otherwise I would obviously be lost. (laughs) Well, you say agency. Tell me what that means, because I think we think of like hospitals or like rehabs or like what the fuck is an agency it's just like an organization Mm. per se and how do they make money i work for um we don't know yeah (laughs) i I was just curious because it feels like and i hate to say it like this but like autism's having a moment right now and like Mm -hmm. it feels like the more visibility we're getting on it the more people are getting involved the more money is going to the research like And again, maybe that brings me back to my question about like, it feels like a lot of what you're explaining sounds like someone's personality and that it's up, it's running up against what society deems and I'm making air quotes normal. Yeah. And that I think that's such a good point too. And there's a quote out there. I have no idea who said it, but it's (laughs) like, if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism because everybody on the spectrum is so different and they all have different interests, different personalities. Um, And I think that's, again, like where a lot of the confusion and the misconceptions about autism spectrum disorder come in is like you think or like society thinks about autism is looking one way and it's it's not. And it seems like the way I've seen it portrayed either in like social media or like even TikTok and shit is like – very disruptive and the mom always is the hero like the mom like everyone's like that mother must be in like I feel like that's such one way of looking at it mm-hmm. and and so I wonder at what point in the autism journey do people see you uh it depends right mm-hmm. so there are kids that we can start diagnosing as early as 18 months old and i do Whoa. have two-year-olds that i see and then there are other people who are like later in adulthood that never received a diagnosis and mm-hmm. i think that too just speaks to like we can use the word like severity of their symptoms right mm-hmm. so for somebody who is um having much more significant impairments in their daily functioning they're going to be more likely to be referred earlier Mm -hmm. versus somebody who is kind of more on like the more mild side. So their symptoms aren't impairing their ability to function like on a daily basis. They're probably not going to get referred as early. And like, there's also a difference too between boys and girls. So a lot of the research that's been done, of course, right, has been conducted on boys Mm, with autism. Yeah. Is it like a statistic thing? Like, well there is actually a statistic that i found on the internet that said boys are four times more likely to be diagnosed with autism than girls so it's now is it just like we're not paying attention to women because we don't pay attention to women until they're like dead or is it have i mean probably right (laughs) okay I, i something popped up when you were talking about like age Mm -hmm. So is autism falling under like mental health, chemical brain development? Like, is it something you can 
test for? Is it something chromosomal? Is it something you can see? Because I feel like I've always heard the stories of like showing, I don't even think I want to say symptoms, but showing signs at yeah. that childhood age. Like what? Yeah. So there's no like <laughs> medical test for it, right? You're not going to go like get blood drawn and have a test that shows that you have autism. Um, it comes down to like different genetic factors and environmental factors too. Um, but it's really about screening and early intervention and making sure that like pediatricians are doing their job too, to just screen for like develop developmental milestones. Right. Right. Um, because we know that like if kids aren't meeting developmental milestones, then you want to look into that further, whether it's autism or whether it's something else. Um, yeah. So, so then again, like when I think of anxiety, for example, high, mm -hmm. high, high anxiety, disabilitating anxiety, I think of like SSRIs and low serotonin. And like, I think of brain chemicals. Yeah. Now is that, are we looking at something in the brain with autism? So a lot of what we're looking at is your frontal lobes. And Ooh, we're getting scientific up in this Yeah, bitch. so <laughs> I know when I meet with parents and we do parent education and skill building, I have like this big PowerPoint presentation that Love. I use and it breaks down like the brain and different areas of the brain. Mm. And like we talk about neurons and synapses and like mm. how the frontal lobes specifically are in charge of different like executive functions. Love. Um, so we talk like higher order executive functions, lower order executive functions so things like um attention working memory impulse control like all of those fun things that we see with kids who are diagnosed yeah. with adhd too ah. and like cognitive flexibility so if those functions aren't strong that's going to impair your higher order functions like planning and problem solving and reasoning um because if you can't sustain your attention on what somebody's telling you and then you can't remember what they just told right. you you're not going to be able to like integrate that and right. come up with different things later right. um so man i have so many questions this is yeah. such a fascinating conversation <laughs> i think this is going to be like such a longer episode than i planned but i, I love it so okay going back to diagnoses again yeah. like I think and even I feel it when I think about it it feels very like fear-based mm -hmm. it feels very like oh my god there's something wrong with my child right like okay this is a two-part question because I have so many questions yeah is this we talk about pediatricians knowing signs educating them educating parents on what to look for mm -hmm. is autism diagnoses um what's the word I'm looking for um accessible to all races uh classes is that a thing is that a problem it is a problem yeah. um short answer minority groups tend to be diagnosed later and less mm. often um you know, there are a lot of discrepancies as far as like if you're in a rural area, there's probably less likely to be access to mm -hmm. services. Um, and I know that's like a challenge that we see a lot at our agency. We have people that travel to come see mm. us from further. Away. I mean, we're not in a big city. I didn't um, ask where you were. Yeah, I'm in upstate New York, so I'm oh, not cool. in like the city. But yeah, no, I love New York. I used to live in the city. But anyway, OK, so OK, that's good to know. And then also that fear-based uh, feeling I think can come off as like um, 
what's the term? I'm so bad at word reaching is one of my, (laughs) (laughs) one of my diagnoses. After I took Topamax for three years, I have a hard time finishing sentences. It's crazy. Um, it, it, it is that, um, does that show bias or like ignorance or the word that keeps coming to mind is like racism against autistic people, but that's not the word prejudice, Yeah, prejudice. So like the fear that parents get mm-hmm. becomes like a prejudice against like autistic people. I think get put in a category such as like down syndrome or something. Like- yeah. So, I mean, if a parent is afraid of a diagnosis and afraid of what that diagnosis is going to mean, there is a possibility that that will prevent them from going and seeking an evaluation mm-hmm. and getting the services. But mm-hmm. ultimately the only thing that's doing is providing a disservice to their child because we know the earlier a child receives intervention, the better the outcomes are likely to be. So yeah. You know, it's, it's hard. And it's not something like that you can see with, um, like a fetus testing for down syndrome. You can't see this. And so then I think parents like, again, freak out and go like, oh my God, there's something wrong. But what we're seeing in society and like, I don't know if the media is helping or hurting is that like, you probably know someone on the spectrum. Like it's way more common than I think we know. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I, I loved when Amy Schumer came out. Uh, in her latest special, um, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a part where she, you know, she had just gotten married at the time to the chef and it was like this whirlwind romance. And there's a part in her special towards the end, which like, you know, makes it sort of like the climactic, like bigger jokes um, where she says, because my husband has, I don't know if she says autism or, or, or is on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. And then she stops and she goes, hold on one second, like, bear with me. I want to get this right because it's very important to me that I, I say this joke correctly. And she left that in, you know, they edit around, like, if if those, you know, tapings get fucked up or whatever. But mm-hmm. she left that moment in, and I thought that was so great and important because, one, n- no one, I think, s- assumed the guy she married had uh, was on the, on the spectrum. And, two... It made me look at her differently. And I don't know if that's like a good thing or a bad thing, but like you, you then think of like, if someone's like dealing with it or putting up with it, you think of them as like a strong person, right? Like, yeah. how, how do I break that ignorance in myself? You know, do I just need to know more autistic people? No, I, I love that you're asking the question. I think that's so important. I think it's really important that you're recognizing that too. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing that we can just do like as a society is spread awareness, spread acceptance. My dog. Yeah. <laughs> is that a dog? Oh my God. I thought yeah. it was a cat. Wait, no, she's an Australian shepherd. Oh she's such God. a brat. Yeah. Oh, you guys can on youtube.com slash Kelsey Dara, the cutest <laughs> dog. Okay. It just walked into frame and I was like, what is that giant fluffy? <laughs> yeah. She's my okay. baby. Back to the important thing you were saying. Not that the dog isn't important because no, she's are. very important. Very, very. Um, so back to what you were saying is like recognizing the, the bias that I have and correcting it is just doing more research, becoming more educated. Yeah. Educating yourself. I mean, I think to like acknowledging any like stereotypes that you do have in your head about like what autism looks like. Right. Because again, 
you probably do know somebody who has autism is on the spectrum and hasn't been diagnosed. And a lot of times too, like we as a society have just in the past, like labeled these people as being like quirky or nerds Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or like socially awkward. And Mm -hmm. unless you know a lot about autism and diagnostic criteria and what that looks like you would never know um unless they came out and told you like yes i am autistic or i'm on the spectrum or however they want to self-identify um i have to imagine too that it it is totally different for kids like at that teenage age versus like an adult right so maybe we can talk a little bit about those two things is like for someone who gets diagnosed as an adult what does that look like so for like our agency, what we do when we're diagnosing is, I guess I'll talk about the kids part because that's the part that I have the most experience mm-hmm. with, um, is like we'll bring the parents in, we'll get like a comprehensive history, um, we'll have them fill out different rating forms to talk about different symptoms to see like what they're seeing, and then we'll also bring the kids in for an observation session. So I will like observe them interacting with their parents and doing different tasks and I'm looking for like all of those social communication and interaction things any restricted repetitive behaviors I'm looking for Um, and then I go in and I interact with them and I'm again like looking for all these nuanced things and then there's also like neuropsychological tests that our agency does. Um, what does that mean? So, Break that down. That was a big word. <laughs> yeah, great question. So um, th- it's called the ADOS. Um, it's the, uh, I'm going to mess this up. It's the Autism Diagnostic Observation Schedule. It was beautiful. <laughs> I think. Um, and so that, I should know what it's called because I'm trained in it. Yeah, but well. it's basically like the gold standard for diagnosing an mm-hmm. autism spectrum disorder. It's just like this very um, kind of like structured set of tasks that yeah. is designed to put people in situations where these different symptoms right. would be able to be observed. Right. Um, so we'll do that. And then, you know, if we're assessing for anything else, we'll do maybe some other tests that look at different like levels of cognitive functioning, executive functioning, go. things yeah. like that. So and like, then what we do. That, that's what that little section, sorry to interrupt you, but that yeah. little section that you just talked about, that's where people get the high functioning confusion. So right? there's like different levels. So mm-hmm. when we're diagnosing with autism, there's like level one, which is kind of like your more mild presentation. And then there's level two, which is kind of more moderate. And then there's level three, which is your more severe. So for mm-hmm. somebody who has that, I'm going to use like air quotes, yeah. high functioning, right. um, that would be more like a level one autism spectrum disorder diagnosis. That's Got where it. somebody who was previously referred to as having Asperger's, that's where they would probably fall. Um, yeah, because I, I think it was like on TikTok. I don't know why I keep referencing TikTok. I'm almost 30 years old. Holy shit. But like <laughs> there is a girl on there that I follow who is autistic and she talks about like high functioning actually being kind of like offensive in the, yeah. in the sense that it's it's saying that anyone with a severe diagnosis might not be capable of leading a successful life. And like what is, you know, what is a successful life anyways? Um, but it. You, you know, after you talked about looking at like the executive functioning, mm-hmm. is there a 
moment that you have to like break the news to parents? So we do like a review session where the parents will come in and we'll go over like all of the diagnostic impressions. And then we also talk treatment recommendations mm. too, which is my favorite part because oh, that's go off like, this. well, because a lot of times too, like if people are being referred to our agency for an autism evaluation, they kind of already know what's, what's coming. Right. Yeah. Um, or they're, they're looking for answers. So a lot of times that session isn't like breaking heart news, Holding but it's like, <laughs> let me provide you with this information that explains this experience that you've been right. going through. And a lot of times it's relieving for them to have Very. a name to put to that. Totally. And they say, okay, now I know what this is. Now I know what we can do about it um, and how we can help support my child or my partner or whoever is going through the evaluation um because we do have a lot of really awesome evidence-based treatments that are used to help support that yeah talk about that because my first question about treatment was going to be like is there a pill we're looking (laughs) at like what's our no so like there are (laughs) medications that autism will co-occur with different as any other yeah you know mental health diagnosis will so like sometimes if it co-occurs with depression or anxiety Mm. you would provide medications for those mm. but like specifically for an autism spectrum disorder no you don't medicate it right. um it's a lot of like behavioral based interventions so ah. the the gold standard for sure. autism spectrum disorder diagnoses treatment is aba it's applied behavior analysis okay. um so it's just very intensive behavioral therapy and for the person or like yes. with the parents for the person okay so and like for the individual Um, so I am not like an ABA specialized Ah, person, um, but I, I mean, I know a little bit about it. It does a lot of like social skills training and just Mm -hmm. like behavioral training and just basically helping that person to be able to interact with their environment in the most productive way they can. And Um, you're saying that like the younger they start that, the better, even like, you know, that's just, I mean... teaching like um rhetoric right like that happens all the way up until you know your frontal lobe is developed or whatever um do you see the treatment as something that is covered by insurance is it a luxury Mm. are we talking privilege is it so (laughs) here's the deal here's the deal here's a lot of people I shouldn't say a lot. It's not covered by all insurances. So for people's pe- for people who do have insurance that covers it, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. For people who don't have insurance that covers it, there are other things that we can do. So mm-hmm. um, I am on our other like our agency has two branches. One's like our ABA side, and one's our CBT side. Cognitive, Cognitive behavioral therapy. therapy. I know. I know you know what that is. <laughs> you know I know. <laughs> um, so I'm more on that side. Oh, so. Great. I can do behavioral therapy with kids um, twice a week or once a week or in group therapy sessions, you know, depending on what they need, we're going to recommend different things as far as treatment. There's no like one size fits all right approach here. Um, yeah. But we do offer a lot yeah. of different things. And then we also offer like the parent education component right. of it because mm-hmm. it's it's great if we can provide interventions for these kids, but if we can teach their parents about what's going on in their brain, why they're seeing the things mm. that they're seeing, and then teach them how to also intervene in right. an appropriate way at home, we're right. going to see a lot more 
positive outcomes. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of like my physical therapy team in that like it doesn't just stay at the PT's office. Like Mm -hmm. it comes in this house and it affects my partner. You know, I'm very lucky in that I have like his support and, and I have to imagine that it's, you know, it's a family dynamic. It's like, it's very much, you know, the more, I guess, support system you have, Mm -hmm. the better, just like with any mental health diagnosis. However, I feel like autism is like strangely its own branch because of what um, media has done and talked about with it. Like I waited, what, 32 minutes to bring up the vaccine thing, right? Like how... How do we even t- start? How do we even start this conversation? Jenny fucking what's her name? I, I like I'm really speechless when it comes <laughs> to that. I have parents sometimes that come into the office that ask me, um, they'll ask me about vaccines and if they're correlated to autism spectrum disorder. Mm-hmm. And then they also ask me about red dye. And if it exacerbates symptoms of ADHD. What the fuck is red dye? You can Google it yourself. I'm, See, this is Facebook's I, problem. I, this is 100% will, yeah. moms on Facebook sharing articles. This is 100% where this has come from. Yeah, I mean, there are parents that swear that if they eliminate red dye from their child's diet, that it eliminates their ADHD symptoms. And Isn't that what that Netflix documentary did about the diet? Did you see that? Let me look it up real quick because there was like a family that I want to say, uh, tism diet. I want to say the magic pill. I don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. Diet impacts all of our health and well-being. So you want to eat a healthy diet. You want to be sleeping as well as you can. You want to be exercising regularly. That's going to help your physical health. It's going to help your mental health. Um, it was the keto. It was the keto documentary. I haven't seen it. <laughs> so like I imagine that someone sees that and they get really hopeful that like if they give their child a keto diet that what happens or what's shown at least in this documentary is what's mm-hmm. going to happen to their kid. Is that something you guys even give time to? Like when we talk about the vaccination conversation, are you guys trained to handle those questions in a certain way or like is it opinion based or what the fuck? I mean, no, we're not trained to, which is probably why I struggle with being asked questions like that. Essentially, like what I say is if the research doesn't support it, then I can't support it Mm -hmm. in my office, right? Because we are very evidence-based. I mean, if somebody wants to go try something and it's not harmful to them or their family or their kids or anybody else around them, you can go try whatever you want to. I have different things in my office like I have salt lamps I have essential oils just because I I like them it's happening right now I have my essential oil steamer thing I like them and then parents will ask me like oh will essential oils cure this that the next thing I'm like I'm not going to sit here and tell you I I went through that with writing my book like I had to be very careful of of saying like I I basically don't talk medication in my book because I don't want to skew people one way or the other because I'm very like middle line about my opinions about it but I have to imagine like again when you think of autism like the first word that pops up in my head is vaccinations and if someone is bringing an unvaccinated child or a vaccinated child into an office with other children like 
I have to imagine the, you know, it's hard not to eye roll or like fear the interaction or, you know, I just feel like that's such a big fucking elephant in the room in this kind of conversation. It is. And it's one that as much as I don't like to ignore discussions because I think they're important, it's also we kind of have to like pick and choose our battles here, right? Mm-hmm. So if I have a mom sitting in my office that's an anti-vaxxer, am I going to talk to her about all of the pros of vaccination and why not vaccinating your child is dangerous? Or am I just going to teach her about yeah. developmental disorders in the go. brain and everything? Because what's going to be a more productive conversation, right? Right. And, you know, like I think back to of when I went to Arizona, uh, it was like a a off the Mayo Clinic there. I was working with a physical therapist who swore up and down that the vaccinations changed his child. Like that, he, he said, you know, one day he got vaccinated and then, uh, the next day he like napped for 12 hours and then he was basically comatose the next day. And I was like, uh, like, how do I, how do I even appro- like you, you, how do you approach a conversation when someone has such a specific lived experience and thought in their head about yeah. what happened to their child? And I feel like those are the stories you're seeing shared on Facebook. And like, I didn't even go there. Like I kind of just did what, you know, you said, I was kind of like, oh, cool. So anyway, back to my physical therapy, like, yeah, I just feel like they're so passionate. You know, I hate to say don't, because I think it's so important that we have tough conversations and we engage with people mm-hmm. and we share information, but you also have to pick and choose your battles, right? I we feel like I'm just going to get like an onslaught <laughs> of DMs after this. I, I'm like so nervous. That, like people are going to come find no, me. No, <laughs> I, I will say, and I've had this conversation with guests before is our confidants are so fucking respectful. Yeah. Like even when I fuck up and I have, yeah. people will email me and they will be so kind. And I cannot believe the compassion because yeah. I would not be that nice. Like when I hear someone, I'm like, oh, this fucking idiot. So I will say like, do not be afraid. And I think that's the idiot, the idiot, <laughs> conversation is coming from my end anyways but okay so I mean holy shit we've already talked for 40 minutes but I want to get into a little bit about <laughs> how <sighs> I'm gonna reference TikTok again can you believe okay. this Catherine I'm, I'm not even on TikTok me. I feel like I need to like jump don't. on the bandwagon <laughs> I'm just a lurker I don't really participate yeah. but it, it takes up an hour of my time every day but I saw on TikTok so, like a bystander was filming an incident on an airplane And it was a mother trying to, you know, like basically wrangle her child who's like, you know, screaming and Mm -hmm. and hitting. And the comment section was very interesting because I think the caption of the video was like, who raised your like, this is where parenting at its finest or whatever. And then the comments, people were like, you don't fucking know this mm-hmm. is like presents clear signs of autism. And I went and like checked myself like, oh shit. Like, first of all, we shouldn't be filming things on airplanes, but I can understand the instinct to want to because the way the world works right now, you want to have your phone out and have proof for like anything and everything, right? Like you mm-hmm. want to record every conversation, but also that I'm so assumptive on like blaming a parent for someone's behavior. And it really made me, take a second look at like hey maybe next time I see a struggle maybe it's not a struggle first of all and like maybe that's just the way someone functions and like 
I don't know. Do you ever have to educate people on like proper uh, etiquette, like societal etiquette? Like how can viewers take away from this conversation looking at strangers differently? I mean, I think, no, (laughs) it is a really loaded question. I tend to do that. I get comments about that a lot. They're like, you ask six questions at once and then include a monologue. I'm like, sorry, it's my (laughs) podcast. (laughs) No, I love it. I actually... I'm going to bring this up because Autism Speaks is an organization mm. that does a kindness. They're doing a kindness counts challenge right now for the month of April for Autism Awareness Month. And um, maybe we could do it with your <gasps> listeners. But Oh, my God. Yes. Wait, tell like, me. Tell me. Okay. Wait, let me pull it up so I can like read exactly what it is so I don't this mess is it up. great I love a good resource um so it's called the kindness counts challenge you can look it up on autismspeaks.org I'm going right now so it says now more than ever we could use some more kindness a recent poll on autism speaks social media pages showed that 90 percent of people on the spectrum and their loved ones said that they experienced bullying or negativity we are looking to change that number through kindness be an influencer of kindness by leading by example and spreading positivity to your followers by taking the kindness counts challenge. So um, how to take it is you film a kind and uplifting message to your followers on social media. The video could be anything from what kindness means to you, a kind message to your followers, a memory of when someone was kind to you, anything that could inspire more kindness during this difficult time. There's no wrong way to be kind. Make the challenge your own. Post it and tag Autism Speaks using hashtag kindness counts and three of your friends nominate them to post kind messages of their own. Yes. And then watch the kindness and positivity that you sparked spread. Yes. I'm going to make sure to put this link below because it's basically like starting a chain of just like all of us being less of a dick to everybody, right? Yeah. We're so selfish, right? Like I think about that video on the plane and it's like, oh, I'm so sorry you were fucking inconvenienced for five minutes when like maybe instead of picking up your phone, you could have offered help. And like, maybe that also goes back to something you can tell us and the listeners and the confidants is like, when, when do you ever offer help? Do you ever ask questions? Is it like based on personal preference or? I mean, I think too, like it's based on personal preference because if I'm having a hard time in public, there are times when maybe I do want help and maybe I just want to be left Left alone. alone, right? So maybe you could offer help in like a kind and, open way and if somebody says no no thanks I got it then don't (laughs) but probably like offering help is better than sitting there like glaring at them or like recording something on your phone and and doing that so I mean there's no I don't think there is one right way of how to respond but just like understanding that not everyone experiences the world the same way you Mm. do and just trying to be inclusive and accepting of everyone regardless of your differences regardless of maybe they look like they're having a tough time right now um focusing on ability instead of disability keeping an open mind go up she's got this (laughs) she has done this she is good at her job I really love that message because at the end of the day it really does just come back to kindness and empathy and like looking inward at ourselves again like I I was really nervous to talk but to you but also so happy that like this is a safe place where I can ask those fucking questions where the other option is Facebook posts and sensationalized Netflix documentaries yeah Yeah. (laughs) um, so going maybe as we're winding down here going back to the question of let's see I let's say I'm like you know I meet someone Mm -hmm. who 
doesn't outwardly express that they are autistic or living with it I mean it kind of reminds me about the same conversation around sobriety that like Mm -hmm. you never in public go like hey I know that person from AA right like it's called Alcoholics Anonymous for a reason but like is there a world in which this conversation becomes a little bit more um, transparent the same way I'm I'm always trying to do with anxiety and not letting it be something I'm hiding from people ever. And I know that I'm kind of an anomaly and that I'm like outspoken and annoying, but yeah, no, I just, I came up with this metaphor just now in my head and I don't know if it's a good one or not, but I wonder if we can almost relate it back to like sexuality and just letting people decide like how they want to identify. And if Mm. they want to come like come out to you with their mental health struggles, challenges, diagnoses, abilities whatever that might be um and just like letting people define how they want to be perceived and identified amazing I think that is the fucking perfect message to end on and holy shit I'm so glad the universe works out this way that like who knew like you sliding into our DMs and me sliding back would lead to such a wonderful insightful conversation like that's why I just fucking love the confidants because everyone's so cool you're so fucking smart like holy <laughs> shit I'm you. so glad we did this yeah I I don't feel smart a lot of the times but oh, I love when please. I can talk about something that I actually know about because then it makes yeah. me feel a little bit more smart oh, so I'm girl. glad we could spread a little bit oh of, my god of I mean tens of and... thousands of people now will hear your message <gasps> that makes think, me nervous <laughs> no I think I, again like I think this is the best way to do it in in like having a safe place and not being judged to talk about it and and you being so transparent and open is really awesome and if there's anything else do you want to like plug anything like I'm definitely going to put kindness counts challenge on here I would say let's plug that don't follow me follow like (laughs) autism speaks um and go do the kindness counts challenge yeah and I think a really easy thing that I I actually um saw like came up with last night was uh putting those hashtags in my feed so like it can be as simply as like following autism hashtags or like actively following those people on Twitter just like getting it in front of your eyeballs even like on TikTok oh my god I really have to fucking stop this problem (laughs) just putting it in front of your eyeballs regularly and like normalizing it like I started doing that for mental health stuff years ago and now you know I'm I'm following like tiny home DIY and (laughs) this is really how I'm I'm learning about stuff maybe that's like the modern way of education but yeah I think maybe it is um Catherine you are so amazing I hope we stay in touch Um, I would love that thank you so much for your time and um stay safe out there yeah you too thank you so much for having me on this was fun 